like to think of myself as a hobby purist. In it for the cards, not the profit. But that's a bit of a lie. If I'm being completely honest with myself, more often than not, a card's long-term value factors somewhere into my decision of whether to get it. This is one of the topics I bring up this week with my guest, Samuel Evans, the sports card collector on Instagram. If you don't follow Samuel, or if you're unfamiliar with his content or appearances on other shows, his IG handle is spelled T-H-E-S-P-R-T-Z-C-A-R-D-C-O-L-T-R. Samuel's answer to my question about the devil on my shoulder, the one that threatens the holiness of my hobby experience, kind of blew me away. I shouldn't be surprised. Before I even started this podcast, I knew I wanted Samuel to be my first guest. Thankfully, when I asked, he said yes. I hope you enjoy our conversation. It's one that helps put collecting into the proper perspective. So, let's dive in. Samuel Evans, welcome to The Shallow End. Samuel, as I mentioned before, before we started recording, I was uh, looking through your Instagram feed, and it's it's as if you you reached into my brain, and and we were just sort of sharing, you know, one line of thinking. Right, I was looking at posts of of Ozzy Smith and Penny Hardaway, uh, probably my 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 favorite non St. Louis Cardinal of all time, Ricky Henderson, um, and the most dominant force in basketball history, Wilt Chamberlain. There is, yeah. <laughs> that's a lot, right? That's kind of all over the place. So yeah. do you have like a player who you collect or do you think more in terms of eras and sets and that sort of thing? I do not have, I do not have a player that um, I collect. Um I mean, if I had to choose a player that like I collect, I, I think it would be a um, like like Jordan. Jordan would be in my like top five, but I, if I had to choose like three players that I love to collect, um, the sport would be base. The the sport will be basketball, and uh, in in no particular order, but it would be Will Chamberlain, Moses Malone, and Kobe Bryant. And um, then, like, Ken Griffey um, and um, Arrestes Minosa. Many. Yeah, many, yes. Yeah, very. So, okay, so you said Moses, you said Kobe, and you said Wilt. Yes. What I, what and then, like, out. my, my yeah. top six would probably, like, top six, top seven <laughs> – I mean, obviously Michael Jordan because I grew up in that. I want to be like Mike era, you know. We were all like psychologically, you know, uh, manipulated into believing that we wanted to be like Mike, which is okay because 
you know, it was a form of inspiration. So uh, I don't think manipulation was the word that I wanted to choose, but it was. Oh, I it think was Gatorade like would agree with you. Up on my mind. I mean, sometimes um, I dream that he is me, right? You know. It's, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's catchy, right? <laughs> you know. Um, but then I think rounding out like my list would probably be Wayne Gretzky or Richie Ashburn. So like that's oh, me yeah. in a nutshell. The thing I loved about the Wilt card that you posted, it's that it wasn't of him on the Warriors or the Sixers or the Lakers. It was the Conquistadors, yeah. right? I, I just recently uh, bought my first ABA card. It was a Marvin Bad News Barnes Spirits of St. Louis card. And, and, and okay. there's this fantastic book called Loose Balls. It's this oral history of, of the ABA. And, and me being from St. Louis, Marvin Barnes was, was, was just such a, a force in the ABA, uh, both as a punchline, but also in terms of his talent. But yeah, okay, Wilt had that little. You should, you should. But Wilt had that little dance, right, with with other leagues as well. Uh, what was it about that card in particular that spoke to you? Because you know that's not that's not one that we have to go and yeah, turn I, our questions I mean, over, I, right? Yeah, I think it's a beautiful card of Wilt. Um, he has this menacing look. Um, you know. And this, it's towards the end of his career, but um, you know, it's, it's like one. It, there's not many cards of Wilt Chamberlain, you know. Like there's the the '61 in action and rookie, um, but he doesn't have many cards. Like he he don't have like a true Philadelphia '76ers card, like those tops or or flare sets. Um, and then, you know, it was towards the, the latter part of his career, like in the, the late 60s and 70s, you had cards of him again, you know, when he was with the Lakers. Um, so, you know, I, I, I'm i just a huge, I mean, one, I'm from Philadelphia and Wilt's from Philadelphia. So there's that connection to my mother and his sister. They were like um, teacher's assistants at the same time. And I actually met her. Uh, when I was a teenager, and she looks just like Wilt Chamberlain, um, but like a female. And, um, you know, she told me so many personal stories about him. So there's that nostalgic connection. And, um, you know, just the, the the historian in me and, like, the research that I've done on Wilt's life as a basketball player, you know, not his, you know, not his things off the court, but as a basketball player, you know, you just get mesmerized by his talent, his talent, his ability, his IQ, um, everything that he had to offer to professional sports. And then not to mention that he was a phenomenal athlete, track star, Olympic volleyball player, um, you name it. And, you know, like even towards the end of his career where people would doubt if he still had it, he would just go on this stretch where he would score 70 points a game. And then like go back to passing the ball again and being a defender. Um, and it's one of those, it's for me, it's just one of those last cards of him that you just appreciate because knowing his story, he pretty much just walked away from the NBA and he, he probably had another good four years in you know, and he just, he just walked away, you know, and, and like he, he's on this ABA card as a, as a coach and player and like he never played in the ABA, but 
you know, I mean, obviously it was a money grab for tops, but for me, it's just something memorable would be like, here's Wilt Chamberlain's like final car. So we could we could appreciate someone like Chamberlain by reading the books by him and about him by watching his clips on YouTube. What is it you think about collecting cards that increases that connection with someone like him when there there are so many other things that we could do? Yeah. Why cards? I think his cards are so scarce because, again, it's not that many of them. You're talking about a guy who started in the NBA in 1959 played up until like 73, 74. And there's not that many cards of them, you know? So, you know, obviously everybody wants the granddaddy of them all, but, you know, just looking at a lot of his cards, there's just that mystique and this, this, that, that like, man, this guy was like half man and amazing, you know, and he did it all. And, you know, I, I'm 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 biased when it comes to him because I don't think he gets the credit he deserves. And a lot of people say he played against plumbers and and mechanics. And I'm like, he played against professional basketball players. And uh, if you put him in any era of the NBA, I think he's the if he's not the best player in the league, he's the top three. And that's just my opinion, simply because of what people said about him obviously what he said about himself, but just watch the film, like just watch the film. And and if you take every, if you take the best big men of every era, I don't think none of them will be able to compete against Will Chamberlain, you know? So I, I, and you know, just like his, his career was just like lightning in a bottle. Um, of all these like amazing feats, you know, a lead in the league and assists, you know, he has the best unofficial stat line ever. Um, in, in one game, you know, uh, there was one game where they finally was charting blocks for him and they stopped after halftime because he had 24 and it was against the Boston Celtics, you know? So um, I just think, like being able to have all his cards in my collection connects me to the moment where I met his sister and just the, you know, the, the awe that I'm in when it comes to, you know, finding new things out about his career and all the, the, the different records that he had, you know, here's a guy who never filed out. A, he never filed out a basketball game. Um, you know, he played pretty much every game, um, and every season up until he got hurt, you know, so, you know, like durable workhorse, like Iron Man, like played every minute of the game. He he has the record for minutes played, like, and it'll never be broken, you know, so um, what can you he's, say, you know? He's he's the most athletic big man in the history of basketball. Far oh, I agree, hands down. Hands down. So, so let, let me, me push on that question a little bit. So he's scarce, right? Um, but someone yeah. like Kobe or Jordan, they're not scarce. Um, yeah. to, to kind of rephrase my previous question, was it about what is it about cards in general, do you think, as a connection point to athletes? When there are so many other avenues, we could wear jerseys, yeah. right? We could read books. What is it about cards in general that you think is so alluring? I, I just think as a kid growing up, 
you know, watching Michael Jordan on TV and seeing the magical moments that he created and being able to encapsulate that in a card and have a card and connect it to that moment that you saw in the NBA finals when he did the up and under, you know, when he was just having his way um, when he's running down a court like that or, you know, just those those rare MJ moments and, and, and even some of those moments with Kobe Bryant early on in his career, like the dunk contest, uh, those early all-star games that he played in um, and being able to connect that with that card. I, I have a piece of that moment. Um, that's a moment that I can recall. That's a moment that I can share a story with like, oh, I saw that on TV or I saw that in person. Um and uh, you know, I, I just I just think it's a it's a it's a beautiful way. It's a beautiful thing, you know, something you can always go back to. So so you and I are both educators. You're an assistant principal at a high school. I'm a professor at a small liberal arts college. And while it's gratifying, uh, and the relationships that you build are are you wouldn't give them up for anything. I think we all wish we got paid a little more. Right. Certainly. Right. Um, Is it ever frustrating? Or maybe maybe I'm projecting my own feelings on things. I'll put it this way. Sometimes I get frustrated when I I can't afford or choose not to afford certain cards that I want for my collection Um, or I settle for a a lower grade or something along those lines. Do you ever have those types of feelings um, toward uh, uh, cards and collections, or or do you look at it in a different way? No, I, you know, for me, cards are pure, right? Um, and I'm I'm not one of those like superficial collectors. You know, like I actually just got the Wilt Chamberlain 1961 rookie card. I'm waiting for it to come. And uh, it's a SGC3. Um, and it's a beautiful card, you know. And uh, I, Dave, I have this belief. I have this belief that uh, there's no card that's off limits. It's all about time, place, and the right people. Um, that's what happened when I got my Michael Jordan rookie card in the midst of the, the boom um, that's what happened last week when I got my Wayne Gretzky uh, rookie card. Um, and the same thing with, you know, the Wilt Chamberlain card. And it's just like, one, creating those boundaries for yourself about like, what's my line? And then two, like, just being patient and waiting for the right time. Waiting for the right time. And um I just believe that when you speak things into existence and it will manifest and it will come like the, the Wayne Gretzky and the Michael Jordan that I have, I bought it from the same card store that I frequent at, you know, and the owner, we have a great relationship. He knows me, I know him and, you know, and it wasn't like some spontaneous purchase purchase. It was a, a methodical, thorough, like, let me think about this purchase. And, um, you know, when I walked back in the store, they were still there and I was just like, all right, let's make it happen, you know? And, you know, the rest is history. And that's what I believe. And, 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 uh, 
like, I don't want to sound cliche, but, you know, like a lot of people say, uh, buy the card and not the grade, you know. Um, who cares if the card is perfect or not? But what does that card do for you? Does it, it invoke this emotional reaction? Does it allow you to tap into your creativity to articulate your thoughts about what this card means to you? Does it allow you to write down or tell stories? Or does it allow you to connect with something personal that you may have or some experience related to it? Um, so for me, that's why I'm at, and that's the belief that I have. Um, and the collection that I was able to, like, and, and, and in terms of my story, like, I left a hobby at like 12, 13. I packed up all my cards and threw them away. And for a period of like eight years, cards wasn't in my life. I didn't have any. And it wasn't until I was in prep school, one of my roommates gave me a binder of his cards. And like in that moment, I got back into them, but I like put them away and didn't think about them for years. And then in the midst of, you know, this, you know, global pandemic, the shutdown and being at home, you know, I got reacquainted with the hobby again and going into my closet and my spare bedroom, finding that binder and those packs of cards that I just like randomly picked up from a flea market one day and the love came back. And, um, you know, I had to do some education. I had to educate myself because the way I collected in the nineties was totally different now because we were living in this social media era of like cards and, and, and co collecting. And, um, you know, when I went back to school and, and, and learned and became abreast of the, the landscape, I told myself that I am going to collect the cards that made me happy as a kid. And then also the things that I was exposed to during my short collecting window as a, you know, as a nine to 13 year old, I'm going to explore the vintage because the very first vintage car I saw was a Hank Garen um, car. I, I believe it was the 1965 one um, tops. I saw that and uh, I said, you know what, I'm going to collect the vintage cards that I remember. And I'm also going to collect ones that are interesting to me and that I find intriguing of players that I, you know, knew about, um, never had the opportunity to watch, but I knew about from listening to conversations, sports conversations with the old heads in the neighborhood and the barbershop standing on the corner, the great debates, you know, or being at the, the basketball court and you hearing, you know, all the Boricuas in the neighborhood talking about Roberto Clemente, you know, and it's like, those are the cards that I want to collect. And, you know, yes, some of them have these uh, hefty price tags, but that's okay. And even if I never get them, I still got a piece of that history because I have some card and I'm going to honor that card, respect that card and enjoy that card. I love that, the idea of honoring the card and respecting the card. And I also like what you said about cards are, are pure. And yeah. that's how I try to approach it. But sometimes that little ego jumps onto my shoulder yeah. and says, you want more. You need more. You need yeah. more. And then... Oh, I know. I have those yeah. days. <laughs> and then I splurge and I get it. And I'm like, no, 
I'm good. You know, I'm, I'm good with what I collect. Um, well, congrats on, on the on the 61 will. That's that's incredible. Yeah. What's, how did that happen? What's what's the story with that? So just every once in a while, checking eBay, you know, there was a few people that I knew who had the card and, you know, we were thinking about different trades to do. And, um, you know, I just remained patient and I just kept searching. And, you know, there was some people who had like, they had cards, they had versions of that card po- posted and they just wanted way too much money, especially for the condition. And yeah. and not that I care about condition, but when you're asking me to spend my hard-earned money, like, let's be reasonable, right? And 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 let's operate from a, 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 of a, a place of, like, understanding. Because even though I don't consider myself to be an investor of cards or I don't sell cards, I'd rather give them away and trade them because, for me, the true wealth is in that connection and in that story, uh, in that bond that I make with that other collector. Um, I'm, I'm no fool, you know what I mean? And, and um, even though I don't care about the condition, I still aspire to have a beautiful car that looks good for me. Um, and then also, you know, coming from the era where I collected, you know, we, uh, we aspire to have you know, four sharp corners and no creases. And I get it with vintage cards. You're not going to have any like that, but you can't expect me to give you X amount of dollars for this beat up, you know, card to say, this is what you value it at. And it's like, I, I just think you're being unrealistic. And I just think there's some people who just are greedy. And there's some people who just like, this is my set price for it. This is what I value it at. And I respect those people. And you can you can figure out who those people are. Um, but this Wilt Chamberlain in particular, you know, it was a it was a SGC three. Um, it was somewhat perfectly centered. Mm. The color was still there on both sides and the price was just so reasonable. Um, so, you know, I, I made a play for it. And um rest is history. Now it's yours. Yeah. Yeah. So do you remember at all what types of cards were in the binders that you threw out when you were 12? Yeah. So I was, when I collected, so I, I was, I had, I was a part of like two cardboard ecosystems, right? I had my neighborhood, which was like a five to 10 block radius. And then we were bused to Penn Treaty Middle School, this predominantly white neighborhood. So you take all the black and brown kids in my neighborhood, load us up on like seven or eight buses, and we all go to Penn Treaty Middle School. Um, and I, the second cardboard ecosystem was just this melting pot of like kids. Even though we didn't look alike um, for the majority population that was at the school. And when I say majority, I mean like the numeric majority um we connected and we bonded because of cardboard and then you had like the era of like pogs when we were collecting pogs and all those different things so like you know we just bonded and i got exposed to hockey cards and that's how i started collecting different hockey cards and you know learned about the you know growing up in philadelphia the broad street bullies 
the Flyers and collecting Flyers and Wayne Gretzky and Mark the Mark Messiers and like you know all those like big name players from the nineties. Um, so you know the collection that I threw away was you know the tail end of the eighties, like eighty eighty eight eighty nine, those flare sets. Um, 90s NBA hoops, uh, tops baseball, um, you know, the uh, I and I collected football during that time too, so like tops football, the 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 cheaper like NFL pro set uh version cards. Um, so you know, it was, it was the mixture of like all these things just all related to cards. And um, it was it was fun. It was fun. Yeah, no doubt. When I was looking at some of the content that you produce from time to time, uh, you, you talked about it just a few moments ago about how you enjoy giving away cards. And you recently yeah. had a, a a post where you talked about some people gave you some cards, and then yeah. you 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 paid it forward and, and you sent yeah. it forward. Um, it just has to be like just so gratifying are you are you giving them to specific like people are you able to see their faces when you give them the cards or is it just you hope that someone sees them at some point how does that work so 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 whenever i do my wednesday lost and found cards of the week i'm always giving a card to someone i actually um i'm a sponsor of a after school card club in new york um the the guy who uh leads the club. His name is Craig. He's a math teacher. And um, we connected over Instagram and, you know, he appreciated the way the the spectrum in which I shared my journey and my collection and how I told stories through my vlogs and blogs. And, um, you know, I started to, you know, just sponsor kids in his club and they will win, you know, some of my cards and he will take pictures with the kids and the cards that I sent. So essentially how it works, you know, I, I go through my personal collection or something that was given to me and I give it away to pay it forward because I just believe every card has, a um, every card deserves a home, you know? So, um, whether it's someone who responds directly to the story and follows the thing, like, and, and I'm not the one who does giveaways say like, you need to follow me. You need to tag me. I just say, post a cool story, you know, at me in your story about this car and I'll just pick a winner. And it's, and it's been organic and it's been fun. I've given cards away to people as far as California, as close as to Philadelphia um, all across the, the country um, and even in Canada. Um, so it's, it's, it's been, it's been one hell of a ride in terms of like going through my personal collection cards that like I'm attached to and, and even some I'm not attached to, but the ones that I am attached to that has like a personal story to know that it's going to someone who actually took the time to connect with me on their story and and allow me to see their world as a collector, I know it's going to a good home. And even when no one in the community chooses the card, and even some people say, I want you to donate this to the card club, 
just to see that smile on that kid's face when he gets those cards. Um, I, I, I just think it's awesome. And I've given away some very good cards, you know, from Ken Griffey rookies, David Jeter rookies, Kobe Bryant rookie cards, um, you name it. Um, you know, I, I also used to support, I don't know if they're operating now, but it was during the, uh, the hobby boom, you know, a couple of us came together and we wanted to make sure that we were able to get kids access to cards. And it was this company called Kids Card Club. And um, I used to donate pretty much parts of my collection to them. Um, I, I think over the over the year and a half, I supported them. I gave them an upwards of like 2,000 cards or like wow. probably like 1,500 to 2,000 cards. So um, yeah, it's been fun. It almost sounds like with you, like the cards aren't just cards. They're not just pictures of, of people, yeah. right? That they are connection. They yeah. are ways of reaching out. They are education. They are ways to express yourself artistically. It's just so much. It makes me think that if you were to somehow hop in a time machine and and tell 10-year-old or even 21-year-old you what cards would become for you, I, I'm that younger you might not even believe it. Yeah. No, it's uh, the, the younger me, you know, like my hobby knowledge, right, right now, like – I would say my hobby knowledge in terms of like cards and the history of cards and sets, I would say I'm operating at a good capacity, like, <laughs> like equivalent to like how they associate like reading levels with like um, eighth grade reading level, college reading level. I would say I'm probably operating like operating on like a college level when it comes to that. Now, if I was to go back to my younger self, Definitely, it would be like the back to the future type thing, like schooling my younger self about like rookie cards and, you know, the nomenclatures and inserts, variations, like all those different things. So, um, you know, it would, be, it would be fun to have that conversation with my younger self. But the I, I think I would run into a clear like roadblock or limitation would be like just access. I didn't have a lot of access to cards when I was a kid. Um, you know, like we didn't have local hobby stores in my neighborhood. Um, I didn't know anything about like card shows. Um, you know, the one card store that I saw, which was like literally down the street from Pentreaty, every time I would walk by it, it was closed. Um, but I never had the opportunity to like actually go inside of it. So the access that I had to cards came through Toys R Us or like big box stores like Kmart, you know, Kmart. so, yeah. um, yeah. So like th that, that was my, you know, that was, that, that's what my access looked like. Um, and today like to have the privilege to have that access, I think that's part of the reason why I give away cards because I want, you know, kids, children, wherever I'm at, to be able to have access and to be able to truly enjoy this hobby without any boundaries or any limitations. Um, because I think that's what killed the ecosystems that I was a part of. Um, you know, like, yeah, life happens, but as the neighborhood I grew up 
and changed, we didn't have anyone to truly nurture the organic uh, ecosystem that we created in my father, 10 block radius. Um, and, you know, cards became an afterthought because, you know, we were thrust into this survival mode, you know, um, you know, when you're growing up in the, the, the toughest section in North Philadelphia, you know, you don't got time to think about cards, you know? Um, and, you know, I always said to myself, if I ever made a ton of money, you know, I love being an educator, but I would literally, you know, go back to my community, open up a card store and nurture the kids because the reality is in the neighborhood that I grew up in, a predominantly black and brown neighborhood, and when we look at cards today, the people who, these celebrated individuals who are on these cards, 90 to 96% of them are a person of color. And just imagine if we allowed kids to experience that fun in an authentic way and the conversations that come with collecting and the experiences that come with collecting it will really allow kids to be kids and to and to enjoy their, their childhood in a, a very productive way and um i i think if you create those opportunities of, of access for kids you know you can strip them of all the things that desensitize them in society and just allow them to be free in that moment, you know? So, um, that's what I believe. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Another way a card is not just a card, right? It's, yeah. it's more, do you think in, in your opinion that today's collectors, you, me, thousands, others, do you think, do you feel like we have an obligation to nurture, to use the cards as a way of, of nurturing uh, younger generations, not just to be yes. collectors and investors, yes. but but if in in all the ways that cards can do that. Yes, I I, I wholeheartedly believe that um, from the bottom of my heart. Um, I had I was having a conversation with uh, Jeff Wilson, um, the sports card and investor. Uh, him and I talked, you know, offline on a Zoom. And uh, he asked me that question, and I and I said yes. You know, we as 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 this generation, right, of the older generation of collectors, it's our responsibility to nurture this young, gen this younger generation. Because if we don't nurture them, how can they teach the next generation? How can we ensure something that we care about so much and are so passionate about is able to sustain itself in a most authentic way? Because Yes, this is a business, it's an industry, and the goal is to make money. However, for this industry to truly make money, there has to be that commitment to nurturing. There has to be that commitment to creating experiences for the everyday collector who isn't on that investor side, who isn't on that flipper side. Um, and um, I, I think it's only right that we teach kids to care about cards and to enjoy cards. And yes, we can teach them, you know, the entrepreneur, the entrepreneurial opportunities that come with them. Cause I think that's cool. It gives them a way to understand money, understand business, how business works, um, cash flow, and, you know, 
liabilities, assets, et cetera. It's, it's all relevant and, and, and tangible. Um, so I think that's important too, but without that passion, the nurturing of that passion, um, they lose the, the, the sense of community. Samuel, thank you for some time. I really love this conversation. I'm really excited uh, to see that that 61 wilt when you're able to to share it. Oh, I can't wait. I can't wait. I, I got to think about like uh, how I want to <laughs> share it with the community because, you know, it's well documented on my uh, Instagram how I feel about this card. And uh, it was one of those things where, like, I knew this car was coming and it was, this was going to be the year for it. Um, and, you know, I, I want it to be I want it to be something uh, magical um, because, you know, it's 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 like the car. It's like how everybody wants the Mickey Mantle card. I'm not one of those people who want a Mickey Mantle card. Um I actually had the opportunity to get a Mickey Mantle card before the whole boom happened with his card. And I knew the store that I was in, everything, it was a raw version of the card. He was an old time collector and he was selling it for two, uh, 52. And he was selling it for 250 bucks. And uh, this was before like the whole sale of the, the Mantle that went crazy and, and everything. Um, and, I don't know. It just never, it, it, I, I don't know. I'm just not, it's not something like that car isn't even in my, like my, my growing top 100 list of like grow cards that one. And, may, and mine, that's just me, right? Mine, it's not, it's not in mine either. And I'm, I'm, I'm glad yeah. to hear that uh, yeah. I'm not alone here. But yeah. that that's what the wilt means to me. You know how everybody care about uh, the Mickey Man. Well, that's how I feel about a '59 Bob Gibson, and I hope to someday land one uh, okay. the way you landed your wilt, Samuel. Thank you so much, and take care of yourself. Thank you. The Shallow End is a Wolfpack Network podcast. The song is "Legendary" by Black Box. Black Box, play us out.